You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. Turn in your Bibles to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament, and it's right before Matthew. So if you get to Matthew, you've gone too far. Turn back a little bit. Malachi chapter 3. And if you don't have a Bible and you would like a free Bible, we have Bibles that are available at our Connect area in the lobby. We are in week number two of a series that we're calling Living Large, and this is a series about what the Bible has to say about generosity. And our theme verse is Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, and it says that the world of the generous gets larger and larger. I love that. But it says the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Now, what I want you to see is that this is the total opposite message of culture. Culture in our world, it says the exact opposite. It says that, no, like, the more you get, the larger your life will be. So if you just get more stuff, more money, more things, then that's how you live a large life. But that's not what this verse says. This verse says the total opposite. This verse says that the more you give, the more generous you are, the larger your life will be. Now, I told you last week that a lot of the content from this series actually comes from this book. It's called The Blessed Life by one of my pastors, Pastor Robert Morris, who leads an amazing church in Dallas-Fort Worth. And uh, my wife and I, we had the honor and privilege of being on that team. Uh, That's, we were there whenever God called us to plant a church. We were in a behind the scenes church planning process with that church. They're one of our sending churches into this whole crazy adventure that we have. And, uh, And I can't say this about many books, but this is a book that has actually changed my life and really taught me so much about what the Bible has to say about generosity. And I told you last week that because generosity is our privilege, that's actually one of our values. And because we wanna make it crystal clear in this series that we don't want anything from you, that we just want everything for you. And that's really the motive behind this series in general because it is such an important topic that affects every single one of us. So we made a decision that we wanna give this book away to every single person at our church. And so you can actually, we have those available for you today in the lobby on your way out, right by the front doors. You can pick up one of these on your way out. It's completely free. We will not take a donation. We will not do anything like that. We want to put this in your hands because I believe, I truly believe it will help you. And so here's my only ask. My only ask is that if you take one of these books, will you read it? That's my challenge. I wanna challenge you that if you take a book, read it. Uh, because I really do think it will help you, okay? Uh, Today, as we kind of dive into the second week of content in this series, we are going to answer a very important question. And here's the question that we're gonna answer. We're gonna answer this question, what in the world is tithing? If you're taking notes, why don't you write down that question, what in the world is tithing? I was, aren't you so excited? I was expecting the church to clap and to celebrate. I'm so excited to be able to, to hear about this stuff. And listen, I get it. I, I understand that, that this topic for so many people, uh, one can have some baggage around it. Uh, that maybe it's because of how you grew up or messages that you were taught. But here's what I've discovered. I've been in full-time ministry now 20 years, and I've had so many conversations behind the scenes with people on this topic. And what I've found is that there's so much confusion around this. And I, I know that that relates a lot to me 
because I grew up in church and I, and I grew up in a family where we were there every single time the doors were open. And, and I grew up in a family where, uh, and in a church where we passed the plates. Uh, we're not going to do that today. We don't do that at our church. You can just give on the way out if you want to physically give or you can give online. Uh, but I grew up in a church where every single week they would pass the plates. And my parents always taught me to whenever that plate came by, you better put something in that plate. And so that was a, that was a part of my upbringing. But the truth is, I, I could have never answered this question because nobody taught. In truth, like for the longest time, I was a tipper. I was not a tither. And it's because I didn't understand it. In fact, I was 28 years old. In church my whole life, I was in full-time ministry at that point five years. And the very first time that somebody sat down and talked to me and answered that question in a very helpful biblical way, I was 28 years old, grown up in church my whole life. And I can just tell you, as the pastor of this house, I don't want that to be your story. I don't want there to be a cloud of confusion around this topic or a cloud of hurt or a cloud of, of just baggage around this topic. It's so important because whenever somebody finally sat down and answered this question, what in the world is tithing? That not only did it change my personal finances, even more importantly, it changed my life. And I believe with all my heart that this principle can change your life. And so hear me loud and clear right from the jump, church. Look me in the eyes. Hear me loud and clear. My only intention with this message and this series is to help you. That's it. That's the only motivation in my heart. I'm not doing this for me. I'm not doing this for our church. We're not doing a giving campaign at the end of this. No, nothing like that. We're good. In fact, if you want to know this, we are operating right now, 85% of everything that's given, we're operating out of this. We're doing, we're doing just fine. We try really hard to steward our finances in a way where you know this is trustworthy. And so I just want you to know that. I want you to know that my only motivation is to help you. And I truly believe that this message will help you, okay? So what in the world is tithing? What does the Bible say? How does the Bible answer this question? Let's dive straight into content. Got three points today. If you're taking notes, here's number one. Write this down. Tithing is 10%. So if you want to know what is tithing, tithing is 10%. In fact, the word tithe in the Bible, it actually comes from a Hebrew word. And that Hebrew word, the literal meaning of it is 10th or 10%. Let me show you the very first time that it's in the Bible. Genesis chapter 14, verse 20. It says, then Abram, who later became Abraham, he gave Melchizedek, who was a king and a priest, he gave him a tenth, and there's the word, a tithe of all the goods that he had recovered. A little bit later in Genesis chapter 28, verse 22, this is Jacob talking. And he says, and this memorial pillar I've set up will become a place of worshiping God. And I think that's very important because I think giving is an act of worship. And he says, and I will present when I'm worshiping to God a tenth, that's the word, of everything he gives me. And lastly, in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23, it says, bring this, and it translates it this way, tithe, same word, to the designated place of worship. That's where you take it to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. 
So just to be very crystal clear and very helpful, this is my working definition of tithing. Tithing is returning the first 10% of your income back to God through your local church. That's my best working definition at this point in my life of tithing. It's returning the first 10% of your income back to God through your local church. Now, I've been doing this long enough to hear some pushback on different things. And so here is the biggest argument that I've heard in 20 years to tithing. But that's Old Testament. That's OT. Come on, tithing, that was a command in the law, but now in the New Testament, post-Jesus, now we're not under the law, now we're under grace. And if, and if you would say that, if you're thinking that, let me just say you're right, you're right. We are no longer under the law, we are under grace. And that means that we don't keep the commands to be saved. We are saved only by grace through faith in Jesus. Come on, anybody know that? Like, like we are not saved by, 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 by keeping the commands. No, now we keep the commands. This is so important, not to be saved, but to be blessed. Because here's why. Because there are positive consequences when we obey them, and there's negative consequences when we don't. And just think about it. Think about different, even topics. For example, forgiveness. Like when we forgive someone who's hurt us, like the Bible says to do, we're blessed. And when we don't, there's negative consequences if we choose to hold on to that bitterness and unforgiveness. When we, when we honor our mom and our dad, we're blessed. When we don't, there could be some negative consequences that come with that. When we honor the Sabbath, when we tithe, when we're generous, we're blessed. And that's why Jesus says this in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Why? Get this, because God's ways are God's ways for a reason. God's ways are always to help you. They're always to make your life better, not worse. In fact, in John 10, 10, Jesus says, I've come to give you a more and better life, not just one day, but right now. And his ways are his ways for a reason. They're always to make your life better. And that's why Jesus says this in Luke chapter 11, verse 28. He says, but even more blessed are all those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. In other words, that when you hear God's word and you put it into practice, listen, in any area of your life, you will be blessed. So I want you to get this right off the bat today, that blessing is the benefit of the tithe, but obedience is the point of the tithe. So we don't give to get. We never give to get. No, our posture is that we get to give. Now, there's positive consequences of that. So blessing is the benefit of the tithe, but obedience is the point of the tithe. Plus, I want you to think about this. Just because something was wrong under the law, it doesn't make it right under grace, right? So let, let's just take murder, okay? Everybody agree that was wrong under the law. Now, how many of you would say, well, now it's right because we are under grace. So if somebody makes me mad, green light to just go ahead, huh, just go ahead and end that life. No, not at all, because it was wrong under the law, and it's still wrong under grace. 
in the same exact way. Think about it. Just because something was right under the law, like tithing, it doesn't make it wrong under grace. And on top of all that, if you're still not convinced, Jesus himself in the New Testament said you should tithe. Let me show you. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23 says, Jesus talking, words written in red in my Bible. By the way, if you, if you didn't know, words in red, that means Jesus is talking. And here's what he says. He says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. So he is literally like going to town on religious leaders of like, you are not practicing what you preach, you're hypocrites. And then he says this, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Then he says this, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So you should tithe, but also make sure that you are paying attention to justice, mercy, and faith. So Jesus, the one who died for you and paid for your sins, says right there, black, white, and red, you should tithe. So number one, tithing is 10%. And by the way, tithing is 10% because it's fair to everybody. So if you're a high school student that you babysit, or if you're a CEO of a company, it's, that's what makes it fair, okay? Number two, tithing is returning. Tithing is returning. And this is so important. Tithing is returning uh, because, listen, tithing is not giving. It is returning. Here's why. Because you cannot give what doesn't belong to you. Now, we talked last week about the fact that God is the owner and that we are the stewards and the fact that everything that we have belongs to God. But I want you to see in the Bible that the tithe, oh, it really belongs to God. So Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, listen to what it says. It says, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, that belongs to the Lord. And it is, this is a very important word, it is holy. And the definition of that word means set apart. So it is set apart to the Lord. So the tithe, it not only belongs to God, it should be set apart to God. Now, probably the most well-known passage in the Bible uh, about tithing is in Malachi chapter 3. And before I read the passage where it talks, the verse where it starts to talk about that, I want you to see how that whole passage starts. And that's in verse six, where it starts this way, where God is talking and he says, I, the Lord, do not change. I, the Lord, do not change. Now in theology, this is called the immutability of God. Now that is just a fancy way of saying that God cannot change. That's what it means. So when you hear the immutability of God, that means that God cannot change. And the reason why God cannot change is because if he could change, he could get better. And he can never get better because he's perfect. So he can't change. So I want you to see that the perfect God who cannot change, who created tithing, a man didn't create tithing, I want you to see what he says next. Here's what he says next in verse seven. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. And I want you to notice right away that he's not talking about money. What he's talking about, he's talking about somebody's heart. 
And so he's talking about the heart, but he says, but you ask, how are we to return? Like, how are we to return our hearts back to you? And just so you know, what we're about to read next is gonna feel like God all of a sudden changes the subject from their hearts to money. But I want you to see that he's not changing the subject. And here's why. Because, because those two things are always connected. It's what we talked about last week. We talked about that our hearts always follow our treasure. And so listen to what he says next. He says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. He says, you steal, you're stealing from me. But you ask, how? How are we robbing you? And here's God's answer. In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. And notice this next word. I love the intentionality. He says, bring, not give, bring. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, let me ask you a very simple yes or no question. Because in this, God says, you're stealing from me. Can you steal something that belongs to you? You cannot. You cannot steal something that belongs to you. In Malachi chapter three, God says, you're stealing from me. How? With the tithe. So if you cannot steal something that, that belongs to you, and this verse says that they were stealing the tithe from God, then that means that the tithe, it actually belongs to God. So when it comes to the tithe, that set apart 10%, we really only have two options. We can either return it or we can steal it. There's not really a third option because it belongs to God. So tithing, number one, is 10%. Just, just trying to help you. Just trying to make sure we define. Here's what the Bible says is 10%. And second is that tithing is returning. And then here's number three. We're going to have a little fun in this one, okay? The first two were kind of very teachy, but we're going to have some fun in this one, okay? Number three, tithing is a test, and this is the most important one. Tithing is a test. Now, how many of you love tests? Love taking tests? Anybody like taking tests? How many of you were the ones in school that love taking the tests? Come on, out yourself right now. And you brought down the curve for all of us. Okay. Um, the Bible says that tithing is a test. Now, did you know that all throughout the Bible, the number 10, it represents testing? Uh, let me show you. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. In fact, I'm going to give you a little test, okay? Um, and I want you to answer out loud. And I, I don't want you to do like the church mumble, okay? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like when the preacher says, hey, say something. You like that? Like I want you to say, enunciate. Uh, it's okay to talk in church. Um, but I, I want you to know, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. And I want you to answer out loud. Now, there may be some that you don't know the answer, but let me give you a very helpful hint right at the beginning of this test. There's a pattern, okay? So there's a pattern. Okay, you ready? You ready for the test? Okay, here we go. Remember, you answer out loud, okay? I'm gonna ask a question, I'm gonna point, and when I point, you, you, you answer out loud, okay? Um, first question on this test that we're taking together, how many plagues were there in Egypt? 10. 10, that's right. Here's another way I could have asked this question. I could have asked, how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? And it was 10. 
Okay, second question. How many commandments are there? Ten. Ten, that's right. In other words, I could have asked, how many ways is our obedience tested? Third question, how many times did God test Israel while they were in the wilderness? How many times were Jacob's wages changed? That's right. How many days was Daniel tested in Daniel chapter 1? How many people were tested in Matthew chapter 25? Come on, stay with me. How many, how many days of testing in Revelation chapter 2? And how many disciples did Jesus have? 12, 12, 12, just testing you, okay? I'm just seeing if you're paying attention. It's a test. It's a test, okay? But I want you to see that all throughout the Bible, from cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, Old Testament, New Testament, the number 10, it consistently represents testing. And here's what I want you to see. Tithing is a test that actually answers two very important questions. If you want to know what's at the very heart of this principle, it has nothing to do with money. I want you to see that this is a test that answers two very important questions. And here's the first question that tithing answers. Is God first in my life? This is a very important question that we all have to ask ourselves. Is God first in my life? And I love what Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23 says in the living translation. Here's what it says. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. Now make no mistake about it, church. God wants to be first in your life. And God wants to be first in every single area of your life. He is not content with just being on your list. He wants to be first on your list. He doesn't want to be second, third, fourth, fifth. He wants to be first in your life in every area of your life. So every relationship that you have, he wants to be first. He wants to be first in your marriage. He wants to be first in your parenting. He wants to be first in your friendships. He wants to be first in your dating. He wants to be first in your time, in your schedule, in how you do everything that you do. He wants to be first in every single area of your life. And that's why Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first. The very first thing that you should be seeking is God's kingdom and his righteousness, like how to live life his way. And all these other things, all the things of life, they will be given to you as well. It's all about order. And how many of you know order matters? Order matters in almost every single area of our life. If you're a teacher in here, you know that order matters in education. There's certain things that you teach a first grader that you, that you have to teach them then so that they can move on to all the, we're not coming and teaching calculus and then later doing like adding, right? Because order matters. If, you, if you're a cook, you know that order matters. You can have all the right ingredients, you can have them all designated, but if you don't put them bad boys in order, it's gonna affect what you eat and you're gonna, not gonna have the best delicacy that you could ever have when it comes to your food, right? Like our clothing, it matters the order that we, puts it, we put them on, right? There are certain things that go underneath and there are certain things that go on top. Order matters and it matters in our finances as well. And listen, God wants to be first in your life. And let me tell you what I've learned. Tithing 
is one of the most tangible and practical ways to consistently make sure that God is first in your life. Here's why. Because the tithe is not just 10%. The tithe is the first 10%. Very different. It's really important that you get this. The tithe is not just 10%. It's the first 10%. It is your first and it is your best. So let, let me show you practically what this can look like. Because a lot of times, I think it's hard for us to understand that. So let's just say that you get paid $100, okay? I have 10 $10 bills here, and just say that you get paid $100. So let me fan this out, let you see from here. Man, I'm rolling up here, okay, $100. So let's just start very simple. So how much is the tithe on $100, $10, right. So 10%, great job, math guys. 10% of $100 is, is, is $10. Now, here, here's the harder question, okay? Which of the $10 is the tithe? Now, what we just learned is that the tithe is the first 10%. So it's the first $10. So my question is, looking at these 10 $1 bills, well, which $10 is the first $10. I fan them out like this. So is it like the first one that I see on my right? Is it the first one that you see on your right? Like, is it the one that somehow is the cleanest and the crispest? Like, which $10 is the first $10? And here's what I want you to understand. If you want to understand the principle of tithing, it's all about putting God first. So the tithe is the first one that actually leaves your hand. In other words, the tithe is the first one you spend. So practically, here's what that means. That means that whenever you get paid and you get your paycheck, the first thing that God wants you to do is to tithe before anything. Um, now, you don't have to be legalistic about it, but in other words, it's, it's before you pay your mortgage, or your credit card statement, or all your other bills. It's before you get your groceries for the week, before you pay off that Netflix account or pay that gym membership. And then if and only if you have 10% left over, then you tithe. Because if you do that, even if you give 10%, you're not giving your tithe. You're giving 10%, but you're not giving your tithe. No, the mortgage company got your tithe. Visa, MasterCard, Amex, they got your tithe. Netflix got your tithe. Crunch Fitness, they got your tithe. God didn't get your tithe because the tithe is not just 10%. The tithe, the tithe is the first 10%. And the reason why is because it is the most tangible way to put God first in your life. So every time that you take a test, every time that you get paid, you take a test, and that test answers the question, is God first in my life? Is he first in my life in my words, or is he first in my words and my actions? But it also answers the second question, and this question is equally important. Not only does it answer the question, is God first in my life? Here's the second question it answers. Do I really trust God? And let me just tell you, God wants you to trust him. He is trustworthy. And the tithe is a test that asks this question, 
Do I really trust God? Do I really trust that God's ways are better than my ways? Do I really trust that God and God alone is my provider? That God is my source, not me. That God is my source, not my job, not the clients that I have, not the book of business that I have, not the investments that I have. No, God, I am recognizing that you and you alone are my provider. And it's asking the question, do I really trust that God can do more with 90% than I can do with 100%? Listen, every single time that you tithe, you are declaring, I'm going to trust in God with 90% instead of trusting in me with 100%. And by the way, let me just make this clear, that right there, oh baby, it takes faith. That takes tremendous faith, just like everything in the kingdom of God. Listen, we cannot get away from faith in this whole following Jesus thing. That's why Hebrews chapter 11, it actually says in verse six that it's impossible to please God without faith. That, that we cannot do this thing without faith. There's always gonna be a level of faith in everything with God, with everything. Because if you think about it, like almost everything requires faith in this whole thing. Like how do you know that you're saved? It's by faith. How do you know that when you pray, God hears you and that he's gonna to respond to your prayers? It's by faith. How do you know whenever you read principles in the Bible, like, hey, if you take something that's in the dark and you put it into the light, guess what you're gonna experience? You're gonna experience freedom and healing. Well, how do you know? It just takes faith. How do you know that God created you on purpose and for a purpose? It's by faith. Everything is by faith in the kingdom of God, including this. Listen, this is one of those things that you may not fully get until you try it. But here's the crazy thing. Tithing is actually a two-way test. It's not only a test for us, it's also a test for God. Let's read the rest of Malachi chapter three, verse 10. Let me show you, because we already read this first part, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. But listen to what God says next. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. How many of you would like to experience that in your day-to-day -day life? How many of you would like to experience that in your family, in your marriage, in your friendships, in your career, that God would throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing over your life. And by the way, this is the only place in the Bible that I've been able to find where God says, test me in this. It's like when, when, when God says, when he's talking about tithing, it's like he's saying, guys, test me. Test me in this. I dare you. I dare you to do what I'm telling you to do. Like, listen, we're 43 days away from Christmas, which means we are 43 days away from 24 hours of a Christmas story on TNT and TBS. And just like that movie says, I think God's saying, like, I triple dog dare you. Which if you've seen that movie, it means you have to do it now. And God's saying, test me in this. I dare you. And watch what I do in your life. Watch how I provide for you. 
Watch how I take care of you. Watch how I bless your life. Watch how I am, I am the sustainer of everything in your life. Listen, my ways are my ways for a reason. And God's saying, guys, test me because my ways work in this area and every single area of your life. Listen, testing, it's not only a test for us, it's also a test for God. Now, let me close with this. Um, and then we're gonna respond today. Uh, here's one of the things that I love most about God. If you were to ask me, what are some things about God that you love? There's, there's a laundry list that I would tell you about things that I've discovered over the years that I absolutely love about God. But let me tell you what's near the very top of that list. One of the things I love most about God is that he, he doesn't ask us to do anything that he hasn't already done himself. I love that. By the way, that's called moral authority. Whenever somebody has done the things they're asking you to do, their word carries tremendous weight because they have moral authority to ask that very thing. And what I want you to see is that God has the moral authority to ask us to tithe. Why? Because he's already given the ultimate tithe. Let me show you in the verse that if I were to poll this room and say, what's the most famous verse in the Bible? Most of you would say this verse. It's the verse that you see signs at sporting events. It's the, it's the verse that maybe you've heard more than any other verse. We actually read it last week. And here's why I say this, is because the temptation that you have is that when I read this verse, is for you to be like, I know it. I'm not gonna let it sink in. But I want you to see this in maybe a different way than maybe you've ever seen it before. John 3, 16, here's what it says. It says, for God so loved the world that because he loved, he gave his one and only son. Now let's pause right there. And I want you to see this. Let me say it this way. Think about it. For God so loved the world that he gave his first. It was his first, it was his best. Listen, Jesus is God's tithe. Jesus is God's first. And just like he asks us to give our first and our best, he gives his first and his best. Why? Because of the rest of the verse. The reason why he loved you so much that he gave his first, that he gave his one and only son, is so that whoever, which includes you, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Listen, he gave his first just for the chance that you would experience that. He's not even guaranteed because he gives you the choice. He loves you enough to always give you the choice but he gave his first and he gave his best just for the chance that you would say yes to that, just for the chance to have a right relationship with you. And that's what he wants. He doesn't want perfect church attendance. He doesn't want you to check off a bunch of spiritual boxes. He doesn't want you to have religion. He doesn't want you to just have this compartmentalized part of your life. He doesn't want you to just have this big list of do's and don'ts that you live your life by every single day. He wants your heart. And he wants a real 
everyday relationship with you. And the way that he made that possible was that he gave his first and his best so that you could have that. So I want you to see that God will never ask you to do something that he's not willing to do himself. Come on, church. Is anybody thankful for Jesus today? Is anybody thankful that God gave his first and his best today? That's good news. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at Queen City People or visit queencitypeople.com.